Hello, this is Andrew McIntosh, and you're listening to The Bill Podcast. It's time for another trip down memory lane, and wow, we're in the company of a screen legend this time. He's been acting since the 1940s and is quite simply a national treasure. So sit back, relax, make sure you know where your cell keys are, and whatever you do, don't trip up the lay visitor. What's a carry-on? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you'll be as excited as I am. I'm joined by the legend, Mr. Larry Dan. Larry, welcome to the Bill Podcast. Thank you very much, Oliver. <laughs> Excuse me, eating a biscuit. Now, I didn't know until yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine, Janice Ryder, is a costume designer yeah. on the very charming children's series, Twirly Woos. Exactly, yeah. And you've done a, a couple of episodes. Yes, I've done two. I should have done three. And there was a cock-up on the, on the date. They gave me a date. To shoot it. The last minute they changed the date, which I couldn't do because I was doing something else. But it's a very, very charming little show, isn't Sweet it? little thing. So easy to do, I mean. <laughs> yeah. About three hours' work, you know, and it's yeah. nothing. Yes, yeah, very easy. Continuing the children's movie, the very first acting I ever saw you do was in Sissy and Co. Oh, my God, yeah. 20 years ago. It was Mr. Dwayne. Yeah. I did a few of those. My brother and I used to run home from school, so we didn't miss Sooty and Co. And you were easily the greatest guest character ever <laughs> well, came into that theory. I loved, it. I loved every minute of it. Because I, I knew, you knew what was going to happen. You were going to get splashed. You got covered in crap and got <laughs> hit by whatever. It was great fun. I loved it. I loved doing all that. And they were a lovely company, too. Matthew Corbett was great. I, you know, we got on very well. Yeah. And I did it with a new guy, too. It seems to me... And perhaps this channels in from your days as a child actor. You have no problem bringing out your inner child in, in not fun at all. performances. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing's got to be fun. If you're not enjoying it, how can anybody else enjoy it? And how did it all begin for you? You just showed me a marvellous clip from right. your first films. How did it all begin? Literally, a knock on the door. Does your son want to be in films? Genuine. This guy turned up at the door. My dad answered. And he semi-recognised him because apparently they'd been in the army together. His sister ran a theatrical agency for children. Simple as that. So, so Dad, well, I'm amazed Dad did this, actually, because uh, a very staid Victorian-type man in his own way, bless his heart. He asked me, do you want to be in a film? So I said, yes. I so that was it. And I went off and did this day's work, and I'm sure it was Denham Studios. I was taken by a coach, an old coach. I remember getting a coach with lots of other boys. And we went down to Denham Studios, and as soon as I went into that studio... I did the uh, Anthony Newley thing. It was the roar of the grease paint, the smell of the crowd. It was actually the smell of that studio. I thought, wow, it was huge. And the big lights. Oh, I just loved it. So then from then onwards, you know, they asked, I did more and more and more until I was hardly going to my school, you know. Mother making excuses. Sorry, Larry can't come in today. He's got a cold. But I was somewhere. Oh, really? You were oh, oh, yeah. movies? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't get much much to do in these films. Every now and again, I get the odd line mm. or something. But it, it built up. And by the time I was 11, I went to stage school. I was going to go to uh, King's College, Wimbledon, because uh, that's where my dad wanted me to go. And we went up to meet the headmaster. And I came out after that. And I said to my dad, Dad, I don't want to go here. I want to be an actor. And this is a genuine. And I said, I want to go to this Corona Academy. Corona. I'd had a few weekend lessons, acting lessons with them. He said, yes, you can go to Corona but you have to pay for the um, school fees. At 11 years old? Yeah. I said, oh, all right. So I got home. I went down to the office where the, the school's run from. I said, 
I want to come to your school, but my dad says I can only come if I can pay for my school fees. I said, don't worry, we'll make sure you earn enough to pay the fees. So I went back and said, no, I'm going to pay for my school fees. And I did. And my dad wasn't being harsh. He was being unbelievably strong and realistic to me. If you want a career, you've got to work for it. Yeah. Couldn't be better. And I paid for, paid for my education. He obviously looked after me, covered me for everything, you know. Yeah. And I, I actually paid the school fees. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I wanted it because I'd done so much up till the age of 11, you know. And, and I really, really enjoyed being on films because up to the age of 12 in my days, uh, you couldn't do television, you couldn't do stage. Mm. You had to be over 12. So it was all films. Heaven knows what films they were. I mean, uh, some I remember, some I don't, yeah. And what were your mum and dad's backgrounds? Mum used to do amateur dramatics, admittedly. Uh, she did, Dad had absolutely nothing to do with uh, that side of it. He was a chief buyer of furniture at Harrods. That was him, you know, very staid man. Everything, you know, in its place, you know. The wife's at home doing the washing and the cooking. I go out and earn the money, that sort of family thing. He did get an interest. He got, he got very pleased with me in the end because he came to my first production I did on stage when I was without a chaperone. I was 16. Up to 16, you had to have a chaperone. When I was 16, I got a job at Colchester Repertory Theatre, and I went there to do a couple of plays, and Dad came up to see it, and he saw me, came backstage, and saw me backstage, and saw how happy I was, and he like, you've done the right thing, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. marvellous. Yeah, I remember that moment, yeah. yeah. A very famous early role as Carry On Teacher. And yes. You have a very funny couple of scenes. Yes, my best scene was cut. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, what, oh, yeah. what happened in that one? Well, it, was, um, it was when the orchestra were playing and I was, I was on the timpani, boom, boom, boom. After that, what happened, the, the pupils really rioted and we went into, into playing, because of Charles Horton, we went into playing jazz and he didn't like, you know, he, he was going mad. <laughs> so and I was, and they gave me this fabulous time because I could drum. I could play keyboards and things. So, so I did this did this drum solo. It's the first time I've ever got, got a round of applause on the, on the set after, it, after I finished it. I went bananas and thanks, smashing up all over the place. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, and sadly, they cut that out. They didn't, they didn't use that, that section of the film. But I didn't do another one for, all oh, God knows, only 20 years or so. And that was nice. I went, as you did, uh, you went up for an audition for a, a television commercial. In fact, in the 70s, I was known as commercial king. I couldn't go wrong. And I went up to an audition... It was Jerry Thomas who directed the Carry Ons, was doing this commercial. And he said, I'm come back. He said, Hello, Larry. Oh, hello, Jerry. He said, Oh, how nice to see you. And he, he did something that very few directors do. He said to me, Larry, you're not right for what I want. And that was, a, to me, was a great comfort because there's nothing worse than being, we'll let you know. Because you know that, we'll let you know means I don't want you, you're rubbish or whatever. Mm. He said, But look, I'm doing another Carry On. Would you like to be in it? Wow. And that was. Um, Carry behind? Carry on behind, yeah. Yeah, carry on behind, the, yeah. The, the famous projection uh, Yes, scene. the projection scene, yes. yes. <laughs> Which is still... Yeah. I, I've actually got a question from Ben Payton, who played P.C. Ben Haywood in The Bill, and I've interviewed him for an earlier podcast, and yeah. he was so excited. He's a carry-on nut. He oh, loves right, movies. Right. He was interested in your opinion. There's rumours that they'll do a new one. Would that humour work today? No, no. No. No, no it, it was very innocent. Um, what's that name? Oh, McGill. Do you remember the postcards that... Um, that the, the, the naughty postcards. Oh, yes, yeah. It was that humour, you know, double entendre, gentle humour, you know, lazy big bottoms and the skirt going up, and that sort of thing. No, it wouldn't work today. And in fact, they tried it, didn't they? That film, Carry On Columbus, was oh, it? Oh, yeah, 92, yeah, yeah. And they tried... Those comedy actors aren't about... Well, they are, but they're not the same. Mm. Of those original yeah. Carry On lineup, was there one you really admired the most or you thought was... Uh, I thought they were all 
All good. I, I got on very well with Kenneth Connor. Kenny Connor, we got on very well. And and also Kenneth Williams. We used to have some very interesting talks. Very, he was a very, very bright man. His his knowledge of history uh, was terrific. He wasn't he wasn't like he he portrayed himself. That mm. was that was the character Kenny. He, he was a very very straight guy. Mm. He wasn't happy during Emmanuel. I know that. He didn't. He, he like himself. He he thought it was a dreadful bloody script. You know, he didn't. He was conned into doing it and signed the contract. And then you think, oh my god. Mm. For me, it was great because I was, you know, got my name above the title type thing. I thought, well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Well, going back to 1959, after Carry On Teacher, you you are the original Dennis Tanner. Oh, you know about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I and was. So what, what happened there? Well, it's like everything else. I just got a, I, I got a call. Could I go up to Granada? Want to go to do a, a pilot? We used to do lots of those. They used to do pilots in those days. You know, a one-off, lots of one-offs to see if it was any good. So I got to Granada to do this this pilot of a thing called Florizel Street. I said, yeah, of course I will, you know. They're going to pay me 30 quid or something, whatever it was. And put me up for for a week. can't remember if they sent me the script. I don't think they did send me the script before I got there. Because in those days you used to go in a rehearsal room, you actually rehearsed it, um, learnt your lines, you were rehearsing it with everybody, and then went on the studio floor and did it. Funnily enough, because it very little money... I shared a, a room in the pub just down the road with Bill Roach. Oh, wow. He and I we shared, had to share a room to save money, yeah. Then I found out, oh, it's, it's coming on. It's coming on television. It's changed its name to Coron- Coronation Street. I thought, that's strange. Didn't think anything, but of course, um, they'd done pilots with other actors too. Right. They were different. Um, the, the, some of the actors I worked with weren't in it as well, like myself. Right. And they quite rightly, they chose uh, Philip Lowry. Mm. Much better than me in that part, honestly, because he's, he's a genuine Lancastrian. I wasn't. I was I was doing my E by Gum accent, you know, so uh, it wasn't very, you know, wasn't very good. I don't know. I never, never saw it. Florizel Street. That's a quiz question for people. Yeah. You're going to quiz. What was Coronation Street called? <laughs> Florizel Street. Point for you. People, you know, they ask how how can Bill Roach have played that role for all those years? But I don't what... know. I couldn't. I confess, I, I, I always said in my career, and at 30, 40 years of it, I said I never, ever want to be involved in a series where I get tied up in a series because mm. I want to do all lots of different things. Mm. Of course, the bill comes along, doesn't it? And that happened accidentally. I'm at home, phone rings, it's the agent, and he says, what are you doing tomorrow? I always remember this. I said, well, you should know, nothing. <laughs> He said, well, there's a new television series. They've got a, they, they want an actor to come in tomorrow just to do one little scene. Would you do it? I'm, well, of course I would. He said, well, they'll, they'll bike round a script. I got the script, and it, it was literally a page and a half of dialogue. All, all, it was a very opening of this episode, a very opening scene. Mm. And, and uh, it was me and Eric Richard, and I was all I was doing was the night sergeant telling him what it's happened during the night and who's in what cell and da-de-da-de-da. Good luck, have a nice day, see you tomorrow type scene, right? Yeah. Came in. I did that, thought nothing of it. Weeks went by and I got another call from the agent said, um, they'd like you to come back in and, and would you do another episode for him? So I came back in and did another episode and, from, episode and from that it was, um, you know. Yeah. I then started querying, why, why was I called in at the very last minute to do this? I think Eric probably told me. He said, well, the actor they got in couldn't do it. He just, he couldn't, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do the lie. He couldn't keep stopping and breaking down and getting in devastated. So... Peter Gregeen, who was the producer, director on it, who I've worked with a lot before, he said, get Larry and he'll do it. Because <laughs> oh, wow. I can do stuff off the top of my head like that. And uh, that was it. And I never knew who that actor was until after I'd left. And Eric told me. Oh. And I, I, I won't say who it was, but no. I thought, oh no, because I knew him very well. Oh, right. I couldn't believe he, he, he blew it. Because it would have been him, not me. 
Can you understand that pressure? Or? Yes, I can, because uh, it's what they call rehearsal chord. You don't... you. Go on set, you have a couple of goes through it with the camera, so the camera and the lights, everything right, and then you shoot it and then you go off to the next bit, and then the next bit, it, it's like that. Mm. And that suited me fine because I could do that. I mean, I, I didn't worry about things like that, you just do it. No, it didn't worry, it obviously worried, worried him. Especially guest actors come in, that was early days, they, they're petrified because they're used to rehearsing and spending spending a week doing it and learning, learning it. And for us, you just had, you just had to do it. You know? <laughs> And the, the part grew, you did the two episodes in the first series, and then six in the second. Do you know, you know more than I do about it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then 12 of the yeah, 13 yeah, of the yeah, third. Yeah. So when were you aware that suddenly the part oh. was growing to the extent Oh, that... I, probably during the third third thing. And it, more so, actually, when we went to... That, they were ours those days, those ones, weren't they? Yes, that's right, yeah. So when we went to twice a week, that's when we thought, oh, hang on a minute, we're in something here. Oh, as I said, I never wanted to be in this series because I, I was in it then. I thought, I can't leave now. I should have done after about five years, but I didn't. I wish I had done, because I wasn't enjoying it after that. Right. With respect, it was so repetitive. There was no no challenge, no nothing, you know, just look, say your lines, don't bump into the furniture and do the next episode. I spent most of my time, sadly, in the station. I, I did go out occasional episodes, but I'm, in this station, all I'm doing is either in the cell saying, right, son, empty your pockets, get in that cell type. I, didn't, I wasn't going anywhere. I was doing it for the money. Mm. It wasn't great money, but it was, you know, at least it paid for extension on the house and things like that. Yeah. But um, I, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't. I should have gone earlier. How similar are you to Alec Peters, and what did you enjoy about playing Alec? With respect to most actors, there's a lot of you when you're playing a character. You've got to you've got to find some of yourself that's in it. Yeah, I'm. I'm like him. I'm a bit lazy. I'm lazy and uh, try not to do too much work. And uh, I mean, the whole point about Alec Peters is when the series became big. Peter Gugin got us all together and worked out where we were, what we were going from. And, and for me, it was great because I was um, the old copper and it just, I just was waiting for my retirement, you know. Mm. I, didn't, I wasn't enjoying the job anymore because all the, the police um, procedures had changed to PACE, the Police and Criminal Evidence Act. It changed to that and it, he got t- that means he couldn't clip a kid around the ear for stealing an apple, you know. Mm. Got to, so that's sort of, that, he was that sort of copper, you know, the old copper walking down the street, you behave yourself, son, and whatever, da da da. That had gone for him. Well, Could you he, relate to him? <clears throat> a little bit, yes, yes. Mm. You have to, I mean, you have to. Unless you're playing something really out of the ordinary, extraordinary, and very vile and nasty, then mm. you just cliche it a bit. You find out, well, what, what's somebody else done that's like this? And uh, but it, I've it, never played really nasty people, I've played one of two on stage, but not done. Uh, Oh, that's nice. I'm, I'm down as a nice person. That's good, isn't it? I've, oh, just, yeah. I've never given out a thought. Yes, I can't think of anything playing anybody who's killed or murdered or raped or whatever. No, I haven't. Well, you're part of that, I'd call it the holy trinity of those early days. Mm. You, Eric Richard, yeah. and the late, great Roger Leach. Oh, bless it. Oh, don't. Mm. Wonderful. I'm glad you said that. What? Well, Roger, Roger lived with Liz and I when he was filming because he lived in Salisbury. And so it was very inconvenient to go back to Salisbury every night. So Roger, Roger digged with us. Oh, oh. And Roger and I, because we wrote episodes, you know, we wrote stuff. Roger, Roger and I wrote three episodes of the bill mm. uh, that we were paid for and were never done. Oh, no. Never done. Um, the first one was in production. And the uh, executive producer, who had this thing in his mind that the actors mustn't do anything, they must come in, say the lines, they can't do anything else, and they must blah, 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 blah. And when he found out that Roger and I had written this episode, he said, I'm not having that. Take it off. No, we're not doing it. He wouldn't have it. So uh, that was a shame. But Roger and I, we wrote, we wrote an episode of EastEnders and we wrote things together. 
suddenly, oh my, mm. I'd got a nasty cancer and it killed him very quickly. Mm. Thank God. I was in Bath at the time, doing pantomime in Bath. And uh, I arranged to meet him, that's right, from Salisbury to Bath, not too far. He wanted to meet up and have a, a, a drink or whatever. So we met up in a, in a pub halfway between Bath and um, Salisbury. And he was looking awful. Mm. Oh, God. And not long after that, well, I, I couldn't get to the funeral long after he died. Mm. I mean, a, a week, if that. And um, last time I saw him, bless his heart, he was a great guy. He was a terrific actor. Brilliant. And he's clever man, clever man. He's musically very clever. Um, everything about him, he's clever. And I saw him do some fabulous performances on stage. Because mm. he left the bill earlier than me. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, he was a good good guy. I'm glad you said that about Roger. Oh, I, I admire yeah. him enormously, and yes, yeah. it's, it's doing something like this to celebrate something. It's yeah. it's that so sad, but I'll never be able to interview yeah. him. But no. it's nice to be able to celebrate no. someone now because no. we they... spent a lot. As you can imagine, we spent a lot of time together. We used to go down and stay with him in Salisbury because we were writing. We had time off. We had all sorts of ideas for new series and things, but. Uh, who did the typing? Roger. In very fast type. I could type as well. We, we both had these um, Amstrads, you know, so we could... Uh, oh, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I could type as well, but he was 15 times. So it was a bit like, you know, the comedy writers. One would type and the other one walk around the room saying lines. And that's what basically what, what we did. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed that period of time, my, my life with Roger and doing that because we were in a series where we couldn't be creative. We were given what we had to do and do it quickly. Learn, don't learn the lines. You never, never learn the lines. You just... Quickly, sort well, you sort of learnt it one page at a time. You did as you shot, and then you forget that and go into the next bit. So this we could be creative. Yeah, you know, and it was great fun. Yeah, the finest episode of a pair of you together. One close cooperation. You've all moved to Barton Street. You're sharing Mayor's oh, station. Oh, that one. Yeah, and the sergeant beats up one of oh, the prisoners. Yeah, oh, gee, I forgot that episode. It was a good one. Mm. It was a good one. Roger has uh, he he's being grilled by Philip Whitchurch. That's Philip, and yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. that tremendous look of vulnerability on his on yeah. his face, Roger. Yeah, Australian, Roger. Did you know that? Oh right. Yeah, he he was Australian and um, tell stories about because I knew him very well. He couldn't fly, claustrophobia thing. He could not go in an aeroplane, so he came from Australia on a ship, you know. Wow. And um, he couldn't go under the Rotherhithe Tunnel in his car. He couldn't do that. Uh, even that tunnel, um, uh, Westminster Bridge, that goes under to Aldwych, that yeah. one. He couldn't, he couldn't do that. Oh. And his wife, Brenda, and his, his, his son, Ben, he wanted to take them one day to Australia. So he said, I'm gonna, I've got to do it by flying. So what he did was, he went and see a, a person who put you under. Um, Look, a hypnotherapist. Hypnotherapist, thank you very much. God, dear. Yeah, to find out what was going on. And he found out what was going on in his brain, he thought. So he thought, right. So he took a little flight from Limpney across to France, you know, to wherever it was, just, and he managed it. And from that on, it was brilliant because he came back and he was able to then take his wife and son to Australia. Oh, brilliant. wonderful. He fought it and he, he won. Isn't that amazing? Oh, he's a great guy, Roger. Who are your other pals? Well, Eric, I'm very close to Eric, Eric Richard, and, and Trudy Good, Trudy Good enough, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're the ones I see more of. They were all lovely. They were all fa- fabulous people. The chemistry on that set was great between the people. That, that was what was the strength of it. The, everyone got on, you know. Pete Ellis, Peter Ellis, who I played um, Brownlow. I mean, I've worked with Peter a few times before that and on stage as well. Good bloke. We still do Christmas cards and all that sort oh, of thing. Oh, lovely. And all those, that lot. 
I'm just looking at a picture of Ben Roberts. He was funny. <laughs> God, he was outrageous. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't keep a straight face when you were... Or, or Peter. When I did scenes with Peter and Ben, that we used to get into trouble because um, we just corpse. We just laugh. <laughs> and the director's going mad because they're under such pressure, directors, to get, you know, a, yeah. an episode out in a week. And there's these actors pissing about laughing because we can't look in each other's faces. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great, great times, yeah. <laughs> did you guys do an awards ceremony every year? Yes. Yes, we did an awards ceremony. Uh, yeah, I've, I've won a couple of Oscars for that. Oh, good. For, for the best, one was for the best comedy performance in the police series. Oh, wonderful. Uh, we made, made them up. <laughs> yeah. What I used to do with, with John Isles was that for the end of Turnpike, I used to get the outtakes. I, I, they allowed me to do this thing in the editing room. Get all the outtakes together and put an outtakes thing together. And um, with John introducing it as um, Dennis Norden. Oh, yeah, Dennis, he did a very good Dennis Norden. <laughs> and I'm under strict instructions. I mean, never ever, must never get out or show it. But it's good fun. I've got it somewhere at home. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, John oh. being Dennis Norden. I, I, I directed it and got, they gave me a cameraman and everything. Oh, yeah. I even got two of the producers in it. Um, coming into the car park and crashing their cars. I got two old cars and, <laughs> and they came in and they, boom, and they did it for me. Happy times then. Oh, yes, it was. It was very happy. Some of my favourite moments, if you don't yeah. mind me sharing, no. some, some solid episodes, I think, is a, is a very good one called The Coop, which I'm guessing oh, you can imagine what that's about. <laughs> yes, that was, that was uh, yeah, it was close to my heart because I'm, I've, I've always been opposed to factory farming of any kind. Right. And it was about a, a factory farm of chickens in a... Yeah. A dreadful coop me and myself, Trudy and Colin Blumenau. What do you call him? Yeah. Oh, great, Colin. We was we were yeah captured and put in this chicken pen with these dead chickens and things. It was horrible. Mm. They weren't dead chickens; they were rubber ones. But basically, the the concept was horrible. The coop, yeah. yeah. And a guest actor called John Reese. He, John, yes. He fires a shotgun at you. That's right. Yeah. Yes, John. <laughs> I hadn't worked with him for years before that. He was a good actor. Another one you get out and about, I think it's the first time you get top billing. It's you and Kelly Lawrence in an episode called Pathways. Uh, oh, that's my, probably my favourite episode I did. It was about the guy who, whose wife was missing. That's it? right. Yeah, and I think he's buried in the, um, in the, allotments. the allotments. Yeah. Love that episode. Mm. No, it was written by one of my, my oh, favourite uh, Pe- writers. Peter Hammond? Peter Hammond. Brilliant writer. Mm. I think yeah, you got brilliant. You got all the stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, it was, it was a thrill. It was a brilliantly written episode. Great, yeah, Kelly, she was good. What happened to Kelly? Well, she didn't work on telly again after that, though. Well, she was great. She was fantastic. Yeah, lovely girl. And she's good to work with, too. You know, you got you got something back from her, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, another character who just didn't get a goodbye episode, not a goodbye scene, no, they, they never mentioned much, again. Really. No, as Eric says about my, my exit, he said, you went upstairs for a pencil and never came down. Yeah. A double whammy episode here, which is brilliant. It starts off with one called It's Not Miorca, and it's with a couple of lay visitors who come to inspect the station. You have Perry Benson in a cell, and oh, they, yes. they, they insist on going in to speak to him about how well they're being treated. Yeah. And it's a lovely actress, Zohar Segal, uh, who only died recently, over 100 years old. Really? Yeah, and uh, you accidentally trip her up. She's oh, that's really... right! <laughs> oh, dear, dear lady, oh, she's just gone, has she? Bless yeah. her. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, then, and I get into trouble over that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's what I liked about my character. That could happen to him. It's great. Things would happen to him. That was lovely. Yeah. I got so little of that. But when, you, when it came, it was lovely. That's right. You and Barbara Thorne are just pitching the comedy so yeah. well. Because she's, yeah. Alec, I only left for five minutes. And look what's happened. <laughs> yes. Kelly Lawrence has been poked in the eye. Yeah. And you've, you've 
Yes, I did. I did when those sort of episodes came up, they did give them to me because apparently when a lot of when they were written, writers would write for a specific character and they would go through to the executive producers and say, oh no, don't let him do it, give it to somebody else. Because so we were very retractable actors, we could, we could give it any, any actor to play. And that's why it was a bit boring. But uh, that one, those sort of things used to come to me. If anything was going to go wrong, come to me. I remember there's an episode where I arrested a whole platoon of Navy people. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got a right old mess with that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. Silly things like that. I love that. I love doing that, the uh, comedy side of it, yeah. Barbara Ford steps on what she thinks is a cockroach, and yeah. you, you then pick it up and explain, no, this is a dung beetle, and then wave, the, <laughs> wave it underneath Go. her face. God, what do you know about this? Is, uh, yeah. all this it's stuff. brilliant stuff. And yeah. in, in the next episode... Brownlow puts pressure on you to make it up with the lay visitors. I mean, oh, that's it, right, yes. It, like a, church, a school fate, you know. In a, that's right, yes, that school fate, that's right, yes. Yeah. Well, Alec relishes in this because you, you have to wheel this lay visitor around. Oh, that's right, bless her. With a huge smile on yes, your face. Yes, yes. And then when things start going wrong, you say, well, I can't help you, Mr Brownlow, because I'm looking after this lay visitor. Oh, that's right, that's right. It. And, uh, oh, I, see, I must see these episodes yeah. again one day. Oh, they're marvellous. And Graham Cole's having, like, water thrown buckets yeah. of water thrown so, it in other kids as you say it was a double header unusually yeah. didn't do many of those mm. and an absolute I'd say a groundbreaking episode one, one called CAD set entirely in the CAD, CAD room. room what a brilliant clever episode set entirely in that room that room with me and that, that, that because I had the screen there I put up the stuff on the screen, so I've I, I got it there, I, I can read it and say it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because I had so much there, and it was so fast. And so I, I did cheat on, on, on one or two things, because I, you know, especially when you've got um, names of streets and that and that, and I've done whatever, yeah. can't learn all that sort of stuff. Mm. Simply, you know, you've got to get it right, so it's up on the screen. That was an episode where I spilt my coffee all over the... Uh, Oh, yeah, mate, it causes a power cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that episode, Graham Cole gets his first line because he, he was an extra up until then. And I was doing this bit and I, I said, I've got three extras sitting over there. We're not getting any reaction from what I'm doing. I've got to have to, can I say something? And then they respond to me. Like, it was something to do with, don't tell anybody this has happened type thing. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what it was. And I got Graham a line to say something back. And that was his first line. Oh, yeah. wonderful. And then, yeah, tw- 22 years. I can't regular. believe it did 22 years. I, I don't know how they do it. If you're not enjoying it, don't do it. I mean, I, I'm so grateful to the career I've had making a living from my hobby. When I mean, you think of poor buggers who are on a production line somewhere, you know, yeah, yeah. 40 years of their life stamping out or something. Mm. I don't know how they do it. I think I have such respect for these people that have to do it for their families. Mm. I got away with it. I didn't have to do that. Yeah, very lucky boy. Very lucky. Very famous episode, uh, Trojan Horse. Mark Powley gets blown up. And oh, yeah, that was good stunt stuff there. Yeah. That was because we were leaving Barby Road. That was our second location. We started off uh, in Wapping, and we had to quit there because it was right close to one of the Murdoch, the Sun or the Mirror or something. And they were all on strike, and the noise in the street outside, it went on. the producers decided we've got to move. We can't stay the next series here. So we moved to this place in Barby Road in uh, Labrick Groveway. And then it came to the point, I don't know why, perhaps the lease was up or whatever, we had to move from there and then move to Merton. Mm. And to do it, great, obvious thinking when you think about it, there's a bomb and it blows the station up so we can go to a new station so it doesn't have to look the same. Yeah, very clever. Yeah, yeah. rebuild it. So that's what we did. And poor old Mark got his, got his um, camera pits there. 
I have to run in as the thing's going blowing up. Yeah, yeah. isn't it? Quite exciting to see the big explosion. Oh, it's, it's great doing that sort of stuff. That now that's ex- that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, you and Hugh Higginson with the fire extinguisher. Yeah, that's right. Hugh, out. he's yeah. in Australia now. Yeah, yeah. He in, works in Australia, doing well over there. Yeah, he's done home and away, so he's ticked that one off. Oh, is he really? Yeah. He's done home and <laughs> oh, oh, Hugh, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> We talked about a lovely photo that, that Hugh actually shared on Twitter recently of, a, of you all in a football photo lined oh, up from... Do you, know, do you know where that is? No, no. That's Wembley. That's oh. a dressing room at Wembley. That was, um, I think it was Children in Need. It was, uh, it was uh, the Bill and Coronation Street against EastEnders football on, on, at Wembley. I've never been so nervous in my life standing in that tunnel before we came out. I, play, I used to play football at a reasonable level, but... To go out at Wembley and play in front of... There were about three or 4,000 people in there, but, uh, oh, jeez, it's yeah. nerve-wracking. Because <laughs> when, you're, when you're doing your acting job, you're sort of vaguely comfortable in what you're doing. You can do it, you know. Yeah. Playing football on Wembley, no. What position did you play? I played at the back. I always played at the back. I, yeah. I, I've always played at the back, yeah. Loved it. Got, oh. got a tape of it somewhere because John Motson did the commentary. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've played at Wembley. Yeah, and, yeah. And I've still got my football boots... Never clean them. I've still got them in a bag with a Wembley turf on them. I refuse to clean them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's good size to obviously being in a hit show and, and the fame element. I mean, oh, I tell you what. I mean, um, I'm a great sports fan. I, I mean, I like to play my football. But my probably better love uh, is cricket. I love my cricket. And I was asked to become a Lord's Taverner. Cause, and I played cricket all the names. I, I, I was a reasonable bat. They used to put me in three or four or five and up there. So I've had 100 partnerships with big names. Mm. I've scored no runs at all. They've scored all the <laughs> runs, but I can stay there. You know, I can stay there yeah. against good sides. And I love, oh, wow, fantastic. Andrew McIntosh was telling me you were the cast representative? Yeah, for getting those, yes, for um, sporting events, yes. I was told there's a game going on, can we do it? And I, I got, went around the lad said, can you play on this Saturday, are we free? And uh, this fellow worked at the bill called Nigel Wilson, Great Nigel. He was the organiser of what actors were going to be where, what day, what time. It was a huge thing on his wall, at, at all, at all the, the scenes and everything. He could work out so everything gelled rightly. So he used to go into Nigel and say, Listen, Nigel, on Wednesday week, <laughs> they want me to go up to Aberdeen to play um, this, this golf tournament. I see I'm supposed to be on. Can you change it to a Friday? <laughs> yeah, 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 he's I'm great. Right. So things like that. So for the football things like that, they were usually weekends. We we worked very few weekends, Saturday Sundays. So weekends were fine. You could organise those. But during the week, because I used to play a bit of golf too, quite a bit of golf. So <laughs> Nigel was great. Thank you, Nigel. Moving towards the end now. So Alec gets stabbed. He by does. Mark Warren. Yeah. Yes, that was because I asked to leave, because I'd got a job uh, to uh, direct a play over in Canada at the Niagara Theatre, Niagara-on-the-Lake Theatre Festival up there. Yeah, it was the opening production of the season, and it was a farce. And I'd been recommended to the director, and he, t- he took me on trust. So as I was going over there, it was going to be at least eight to ten weeks, I can't remember. So I said, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. I want to do something different. And of course, I fell for it. They said, listen, don't go, because we'd like to come back. So we'll write an episode specifically to get you out. Stab me. I'm in hospital. When you come back from Niagara, from Canada, we'll write you back in. And that's what happened. And suddenly I, I agreed to that because they up the pennies. <sighs> and also, they actually paid me a retainer over the time I wasn't there as well. Wow. So I did bloody well out of that. But I, I, 
I succumbed to greed. And after that, I had, this is what I said, I, I was unhappy, I'd had enough. Mm. I thought, what are you doing, Larry? This is madness. I didn't last much longer after that. It's a uh, a testament to you and your popularity in the show that they wanted to do. Well, that. yes, it, yes, yes, it was. Yes, I'm happy with that. Nice, yeah, nice episodes. Mm. Nice. They gave me a wife as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because um, very few. Uh, Eric had a thing at home with his family, but the whole point of the bill in those days, you didn't know too much about our family life and what we did. We could talk about this, and I used to talk about me gardening and my allotment or whatever it was, but not about your family. Mm. But they did this for this one. Yeah, you, your your wife is played by Primula Cotton. Well done, yeah, Prim Cotton. Because I knew her, I knew her, yeah, I knew Prim Cotton. Alex quite frosty with her because he, he, well, he's he's, try, he's so stressed about going stressed. back. I didn't want to go. He doesn't want to go back, no, which is great right. because I didn't. Don't <laughs> he, didn't he didn't want to go back. It was a, yeah, a good episode. And that, yeah, very nervous about going out and going out again. Yeah, you're in the cab room and Reg. Brilliant, Jeffrey Stewart yeah. is, is stressing you out, and you get up to go. He says, "Oh, you offer a breath of fresh air, side." You say, "No, I'm off for a pony and trap." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's brilliant dialogue you ever yeah. seen with Ben Roberts, where you say, "Look, I've been lying there in hospital, pissing in a bag, yeah. and after all thirty years of this, is this all I'm going to take away with me? I'm a scar, yeah. you know. I'm a statistic. Yeah. You know, it's all any of us are. Good dialogue. You know, it must have been." Stuff. I know your Alec is like a you know a, a comedy performance in some ways. Yes, but I hope you're proud with. The oh work yeah! You oh did good lord! Series, oh good lord! Yes, yeah, I'm playing motion. It's oh a, yeah! It's a bloody good performance. Playing motion, except when you're working with Ben Roberts and you're laughing all the time. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Before Mark Warren stabs you, you say, listen, son, I'm not impressed, I've seen it all before. And yeah. He's a good, solid character, isn't oh, he? Yes. Yeah. He's, oh, yes. He's the old school, as I say, clip round the ear, son, don't do that again, you know. Yeah. And, of course, he gets stabbed for saying that. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It's great stuff. Oh, we had some fabulous writers. Yeah. My God, there's some great writers on that. Even though it's not your last episode, it sort of signals the fact that you will be going upstairs. It's an episode called Chicken by Julian Jones. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. What a great episode for me that was as well. Oh, yeah, yeah the, the kid getting hit by the yeah. train. Oh, incredibly seeing it, yeah. And a lovely performance by uh, Jonathan Dow. John Dow, yes. Because yeah. he's with me on that, isn't he? That's he, right. he and I he are looks, together. He looks away, but you don't. I, I don't. Watch. That's yeah. right. You have a brilliant scene of Eric. At the end of the episode, That's right. you're, you're describing it. You're Almost breaking down because of it, yeah. Can't yeah. cope with it. Can't cope, can't cope anymore. I don't want to do this, yeah. It's part of writing me out of the series. Basically, mm. that was my get-out. Yeah. I go upstairs for a pencil. Yeah. yeah. But but then you, you're in two episodes later, as if that's not happened at all. It's really... I don't know whether they shot them out of sequence, but... No. No. <laughs> no, that really, really annoyed me, and I yeah. did say something about that. I had a big stand-up with uh, one of the producers over, over that. Because mm, it seems so... Yeah. You know, there's an episode, and he, he, he criticised me uh, uh, on it. He said, you, you, you're, you're, you're playing the wrong emotion. Now you're, you're... I said, I've just come back from being bloody stabbed. Now mm. I'm walking around as if the world's wonderful and, and my yeah. flowers are growing in the garden. It's an, and it's a, an insult to our fans who are watching it. You, you, yeah. you brought it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, they couldn't. They didn't. They, this is uh, to me when the bill lost it. You know, and they started going soapified and things. And mm. like, oh well. You got invited back in two thousand four to to the bill. Uh, two thousand four was it? Yeah. yeah for, for Ted Roach. Which is funeral. Yeah. And and doing the investigation of why and whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's got a fun episode because it's yeah. it's kind of like a midsummer murders in a way in the it countryside was. and yeah um, somewhere in Sussex we filmed that yeah. I always find it extraordinary that they gave Simon Rouse's character that episode. He and Ted never got on. No, and he, and he no, continued that's to be right. his oldest and dearest friend. 
had Roger still been alive, Roger Leach, I reckon Roger would have done that. Yeah. And give it to Roger. The three, the three stars would have come. That would have been wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a strange combination, that one. But there you go. It was nice to do. Yeah, yeah. And you sing Delilah. Oh, yeah. He gets, dr- he gets drunk, doesn't he? Yeah. He gets drunk and does play karaoke or something. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that was fun. You have a lovely Judy Lowe in it yes, as well. Yes, Judy, yes. Was that a nice surprise? To, to it be was out? a surprise, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a surprise because, when I said it, you know, it's, it's, it's been specially written, yeah. the three of you. Oh. Peter Hammond as well doing it. Yes, yes. Again, brilliant, great writer. I read an interview with you at that time in 1991. You obviously by that point you'd got in your head that you wanted to move on. Yeah, so you're talking yeah. about like, the future ambitions and that. And so, what what are the things that you've done after the bill? But what are what became of those ambitions in '91? Well, very few, really. I mean, I, I, when I left the bill, I had um, I had a very good part in almost a lead in a, in a, a film going to be filmed in Russia. But really excited about that. And of course, as happens a lot in your life. It was cancelled. They couldn't get the money together properly. It's a fabulous thing. Peter Ellis was going to be in it as well. Oh. Yeah, it was, it, it was a lovely story. It was about a, a train station in the middle of Siberia. And uh, what happened, there was a big general was coming through on a train. And he was very ill and dying. And he's coming past our station, so don't cause any problems. Don't, you know, let me... Well, the train breaks down in the, in the station. And I've got this very famous big general thing. And I'm station master. It's a wonderful story about uh, with this big man and looking after him. He's going to die and I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be put in the gulag, whatever. You know, it was a super oh. film, uh, especially for me. Uh, mm. Didn't happen. Yeah, I went to the West End with the, the Invisible Man, with writer, wonderful writer, director called Ken Hill. We worked it out. We did 21 different productions together. Wow. Uh, I did quite a few things. A lot of theatre. One play in particular I was very proud of. Uh, we did it in a pub theatre uh, in, in Hampton Wick. And it was called The Jests of Scoggin. Sounds awful. But John Scoggin was the jester to Edward VI. Fantastic story. Beautifully written thing. John Scoggin is in his dotage. He's gone. His brain has gone. He doesn't know where he is. And he's interviewed, for want of a better word, by a French emissary. Because they want to know more about John Scoggin than his life. That's a great way of doing it. Oh, it's a super play. I was quite good in that. Mm. I got best reviews I've ever had for anything in my life um, because it, sadly it didn't go anywhere it should have done it was too big a huge production because the, it involves the War of the Roses and the death of Richard III and all the things that John Scoggin did he was an amazing amazing man very very bright man in his youth he went to Oxford University came out with all the things and he said I don't want to do that I, mean, I want to be a jester <laughs> so he, he he got into being a jester and he was really outrageous he got into because the jesters could say anything they liked to the royalty, couldn't they? they, they yeah. They're the only ones who could do it. Dreadful things. And, and the Queen, his, um, Edward's Queen, really loathed him. And he went too far. He went too far and he was banished to France. He was banished to France and told never to put your feet on English soil ever again. So he goes to France. He, he, he gets into the court in France and there's a jester over there. Gets into trouble there. So he, what's he, what are you going to do? Oh, I'll come back to England. He, so he goes back to England and he meets up on the road with Edward and his wife and Edward says I told you you're never to put your feet on English soil again it's a true story this and he took his boot off and he poured it over French soil he said I've got French soil in my shoes brilliant uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful piece yeah, written by a guy called Steve Morley and oh he was in the bill yeah Steve yeah. yeah that's why I met him first because Steve and I go to the same watch the same football club Hampton Richmond Borough we, we, we're down there all the time and many years ago he he uh, 
was prior to doing Scoggin, because he'd, he'd written it as a book first. I said to him, but where do you get your inspiration to become a writer and do all this sort of stuff? And he said, um, well, I was at Leeds University and I went to see a production of Waiting for Godot at the Leeds Playhouse. I said, you didn't. He said, yeah, that turned me, that's what I wanted to... I said, I was Estragon in that. No way! Yeah, he didn't realise. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I love things like that. Yeah, yeah. Marvellous. Yeah. And so I think, oh, great. I'm glad I encouraged you because he's a fine writer. He's done very well since he writes lots of lots of stuff for kids' plays and he's doing very well. Good man. Well, cause you, so you've retired. I've had enough. Yeah. Yes, I'm an old man now. I've had enough. Mm. I, as I mentioned, Hampton Richmond Borough Football Club, I'm, I'm on the board, board down there and I love it. I, I, I spend... My work, working days thinking about what can we do next? How can I raise more money? How can we get things going? I'm proud to say we're actually in the playoffs again to get into the conference, which is great. And that's really exciting for me. I love all that. But is it nice for you when someone emails you out of the blue to talk to you about a, a series you finished 25 years yeah, ago? Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed, Oliver. I think it's lovely you've done this. I mean, it makes me... You've brought back so many memories because I never talk about this sort of stuff. Mm. No. Apart, you know, when people like yourself want to, want to have a chat. And can you understand why the series is still enjoyed? And oh yes, it's, it, I mean, it's people people can get hooked on all sorts of things. Sadly, it doesn't happen to the bill. I've got mates who um, like Fraser Hines, who Doctor yeah. Who, yeah. Uh, and Colin Spooler in Doctor Who. And they go round the world to these conf- They get paid to go round the world to conferences to sign autographs, which I think they charge twenty five quid a time. The people pay it. Yeah. I wouldn't want. I've done it for carry on. I give my money to charity. You know, don't want a fiver for that. Anyway, um, but I thought, wow. Mm. I mean, they're off all the time. Yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. Wish I was in that. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, one of those bonuses. But I didn't get. Don't get that with the bill. They. The only place where it's big, of course, is Australia. And they're it, showing yeah. it again, aren't they, from the beginning, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to start it. I said, start of a bill yeah. convention. Yeah, bill so. convention. Yeah, I'll go across to Australia on, yeah. on expenses, yeah. 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 What's your message to the fans of the bill uh, who, who will be listening to it? And p- people have been so excited that you're coming up and, really? and, and jealous that uh, I'm getting to sit here. I mean, I'm well, a wonderful You time. shouldn't be, honestly. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. I'm a boring old fart, really. No, 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 you're not. Um, no, you're a message. national treasure. You really uh, are. Ble- oh, thank you. Well, bless you. Um, what can I say to you? Well, thank you so much for enjoying it. And, uh, you know, keep enjoying the episodes, you know. Um, it, it's a pleasure when you when you do a job like ours and you get a bit of praise because you do take a lot of flack. It, it's it, it's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for that. Yeah, well, that's a pleasure. And listeners are listening to this for free. You're giving your time for free. Yeah. Is, is there a charity that's close to your heart that if people want to donate <coughs> a few quid to? I, I keep changing. If you want to give something, please give something close to your heart. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be my charity. It's your charity. It's not mine. It's yours. You give it to your charity, and I'd be grateful for that. And they'd be grateful. Well, I'm grateful to you, Larry Dan, for sharing your time and your memories of the bill. and Other things. <laughs> yeah, and other things, plenty of other things. I've got yeah. thousands of stories. Well we'll, well, we'll enjoy some more over a pint now. That's for my ears only, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Lucky, so yeah, I can Larry tell, Dan. I can tell the dirt. Cheers, Oliver. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank my you pleasure. so much. Wonderful. I am so grateful to Larry for his time and for sharing his memories and giving it all such enthusiasm. We had a lovely time afterwards as well. Uh, He and my wife Tess went for a bite to eat with Larry. He regaled us with plenty of stories from behind the scenes of the bill and of a career spanning seven decades. Uh, Absolute legend. I know I use that word a lot, but in this man's case, it is well-deserved. 
I also have to thank another screen legend, Fraser Hines. Uh, Fraser hooked me up with Larry. I've put them both forward to Talking Pictures to be interviewed on TV about their early film roles. Uh, so fingers crossed we'll be seeing the pair of them on the box soon and having a good old reminisce. Larry would like you to donate some money to a charity of your choice. Uh, the charities that have thus far been nominated in the series have been sharing the Facebook posts and tweets about the Build podcast. And I hope you've joined me in donating uh, a couple of quid to them. We'll all be making a difference to someone somewhere, which is a nice feeling, isn't it? Now, it's all been a bit one-sided on the gender front so far, hasn't it? So I thought I'd rectify that by interviewing one of the Bill's all-time greats. And dare I say, this one is an absolute belter. Oh dear. You call that an impression? You're nicked! Next time on The Bill Podcast. Ben Payton has asked me to ask you something here. Oh, God. <laughs> I dread this. Did Go on. Uh, apparently after your first episode aired, you, you went for a walk. <laughs> and oh, I can't believe he's told you this. I was oh, I was telling Alan Bleasdale this last week. I can't believe I'm telling this story again in the same week. I'm going to have to tell it now, aren't I? Yes, please.